located at 4425 West Ina Road. Just have it picked up. They do more than just collision repair, too. They do paintless dent removers, uh, removal, uh, restoration of headlights, uh, windshield uh, strips, uh, window tinting, you know, so you can get it all done right there at one spot. You know, been around uh, a long time, well over 20 years. Uh, they were voted in 2018 one of the best collision centers in the state of Arizona. So it's reputable. It's They're honest. They do a good job. So Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, that's one of my good sponsors I've had on this show for just about since I've been on ESPN. So can't say enough about them. If you need that or need your car just painted, if you got hot spots on the top of it from sun fade, Go ahead and get it before it gets you. Have a good paint job put on there. Stop stop the erosion, and you'll feel like you're driving a brand-new car without having to pay for a brand-new car. So I really like that a lot. All right. No, a few things popped up during the week. I told myself, Self, what in the world are you going to do Saturday morning? I said, well, how about an open line Saturday? How about you do the talking today? You do the questions. You do the comments. Uh, the only thing that's on TV right now, and of course I know a lot of you watching it, is the 9-11 20 years later program on every station that, you know, that I have. Of course I haven't went into any of the, um, online stuff yet, but don't plan on going there either way. But after looking at this, boy, I'm telling you, you know, you'd think that you'd remember everything that went down 9-11. Holy crap. Nope. Nope. I didn't for 20 years. And there's a lot of people out there that are listening to this thing right now. It's the first time I've ever seen it. But I remember it. I seen it when they hit the towers. I was watching the news. So anyway, it's gross. Uh, it's part of history. And I'm just hoping history don't repeat itself. So, you know, we've, we've got a lot of stuff going on in this country right now. And uh, I'm glad I'm not responsible for it. Well, and uh, gotta, we just we'll just see how it plays out. You're ready. All right, put him on. Uh, we got Jim Who is on it? one. <laughs> oh, good, good. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Jerry. I I hear you're running solo this morning. I was on my way into work. Figured I'd jump on with you and see how your things were going. Oh, oh, it's going great. Glad to have you on board, big guy. Started to call you, and I thought, nah, he won't be up yet. And if he is, you know, he works all the time anyway. So I was making excuses for you. But since you're on, yeah, for- you can hang in here for the next couple hours. <laughs> we'll do if our best. If you've got time. We'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, no, no. Well, you know, I'm just – go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say it's- I meant to call you yesterday and see how things were going, and I, I got busy with things. You know how work gets. But, um well, I yeah. know how it is. Let's, let's, let's get this show rolling. I, yeah, <laughs> we're getting it rolling. All right, we've got a few things that's coming up. One is hunting season. And are you ready to go uh, hunting? Are you ready? What happens if? That's a plan you've got to have. What happens if? And you've got to plan for the worst, a hope for the best. I have been hunting. I have had good hunts, and I've had some that turned into not exactly what you would say, uh, compliment the time off. <laughs> In other words, something went bad while I was driving. 
But um, I just wanted to put out a few little things to make sure it's just a checkup from a neck up. And I know you're going to be running a lot of off-road. Uh, maybe you want to consider two spare tires for the vehicle that you're driving because of the road conditions and maybe the conditions of your tires that you haven't changed out in the last four years or five years. And so you may want to carry two spares because I don't think there's too many tire shops in the middle of the White Mountains out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I, I, yeah, I used to carry two spares for a reason. Because normally when I blew one, it seemed like I used my spare and then another one would happen. So when I started carrying two spares, then I didn't have any flat tires and I felt really good about it. So it had to be the fact that I was carrying two spares and there's no way that stinker is going to leave me sitting in the middle of nowhere with a flat tire without a spare. The other thing I'd like to see, do you have a star lug wrench? The star lug wrench has four corners, four sides with different size holes for the lug nuts because you may use the same lug wrench on your pickup and you may use the same, I mean, you can use the same lug wrench on your pickup and your RV because of the difference in the size of the holes on the um, uh, star wrench itself. Also, that remember those rims and stuff, those big high dollar rims that you have on there and you have a lock on the uh, wheels, you may want to make darn sure that you know where exactly where that lock is. Because if you get out there and you have to use manual stuff like a hammer or anything else you can come up with to take that lock off of that wheel before you can change that tire, you're going to hate yourself. Know where your lock is for your rims before you ever leave. Okay? Put it where you won't forget it. Hang it on a string off of the mirror. I don't care, but just keep it where you can find it when you need it because that's very frustrating when you do that. Um, but put a couple of tires. Be sure to check your tires and put a couple of spares in. There's nothing wrong with putting two spares on a uh, in a bit of a truck or two spares in, on a hind end or a storage compartment on an RV. It, and make sure that you've got air in them, okay? And that way... Hopefully you won't have any at all, but that's one thing you need to make sure of that you've got because that'll leave you on the road. You will wind up calling Frontier Towing to come and get you. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about the uh, hoses and, and belts and stuff. Radiator hoses. Radiator hoses are good according to Goodyear. You know, they say about every four year, five year, change your water transportation. Okay. Now, you've got heater hose, you've got radiator hoses, upper and lower. Take an upper radiator hose, because that's the one that winds up with the most heat coming through, at least an upper radiator hose, and take you about mm, 100 miles of good black tape, something that you can use to slow it down until you can get a place to get it fixed, just in case you blow a... A heater hose or something like that, because you're going up in the mountains, the temperature can change overnight, you're going to need the heater, you turn the heater on, you blow a hose, or you, you have a leak in the hose, you don't have enough hose to splice it, and so you can use some black tape, wrap that son of a gun up really good, and uh, that should get you out of trouble in the short term. Uh, let see... 
belts, of course, you want to take a belt. If you got a serpentine belt, throw a spare serpentine belt in there. Uh, if it takes a special tool in order to loosen it up, uh, if you have one, keep it with you with that belt. Uh, if you don't, uh, just if you have a belt, maybe somebody out there, another hunter, will come in and he'll have the equipment to change his belt out. There are ways to do it, but unless you've done it that other way, uh, it's kind of hard. So just have a belt with you just in case somebody else can come by and help you and get you out of trouble. Um, how about uh, extra quarts of oil for the vehicle that you're towing with? Take a couple of uh, two, you know, at least two. Uh, if you rip the filter off when you're out four-wheeling up there, you're going to lose a bunch of oil in a short period of time, probably around five to six quarts. <laughs> so if you've got the space in the truck, go ahead and put you five or six quarts in the bed of the truck. Put you some transmission fluid in your little emergency case, too, because you're not going to be next to a Merle's. You're going to be out in the middle of nowhere. And if you'll take that, most of the experience senior hunters, as I'll, I'll say, instead of old guys like me, uh, they already know to carry this stuff because most of the time, somewhere over their 40 years of hunting out in the middle of nowhere, we have run across the problems that I know can happen. So one is rip a filter off. If you're running in a little bit of snow up north and you run across a stump, you just rip that filter. Small block Chevrolets are noted for it. So take your filter, uh, put it in there, take the oil, enough oil to replenish what you could lose in your motor if you pump it out. And transmission, if you rip a line off a transmission or something, make sure that you have two or three quarts of transmission fluid, and then you can uh, get yourself out of a jam that way. Uh, how about an emergency tool kit or emergency tools? If you sit there and try to figure out, okay, how many tools does a mechanic have in Simmons four-wheel drive? <laughs> Simmons Automotive. You do not need to take $250,000 worth of tools out there with you to fix this vehicle while you're in the boondocks. You can take a, a short kit. You want to take your most popular wrenches, take you a couple of pairs of pliers or a small pair and a big pair, a set of needle nose. Uh, you, you need your screwdrivers. You need a Phillips head screwdriver and a flat, which is called a common. And then you can go with, uh, let's see, you need your duck, you need your Regular tape, duct tape is always in a toolkit, always. Because if worse comes to worse, you can always duct tape something back on, like when you run into a tree and take out your headlight ring and have no way of keeping your headlight in the socket. You can go ahead and put some duct tape on it, and you can duct tape it back in to where you can at least have a little bit of light. Uh, Duct tape is a handy thing. We even carry it in search and rescue in our saddlebags. If a horse pulls a shoe or something like that, uh, we can go ahead and wrap up the foot in duct tape and get them out of the field. So duct tape is handy. Uh, extra differential gear lube. And they say, what the heck do you need that for? If you hit that differential is one of the lowest parts of your vehicle. If you hit a rock with the cover, you can leak the fluid out of the differential. Are you going to see it? Probably not. 
Are you going to hear it? Oh, yeah, you're going to hear it as soon as that thing starts to cook. But if you can have enough good differential gear loop to at least pull the pan off, which means that's going to come out of that little bitty toolbox that you have, you pull the inspection cover off of it, and you can beat it out with a hammer, straighten it up, and then put it back on. Make sure you have a, a not a gasket, but some sealant that permanent uh, gasket um, seal, like the black stuff. Put it on, and then you can go ahead and put it back in, fill it up with gear lube, and hopefully you can limp it out someplace before it fries the differential. And that'll help you get out of that. But carry that stuff with you. Uh, are your batteries good? Are your batteries good in your truck, your tow, tow vehicle? Or, and are they good in your RV? RV batteries are normally the um, slow charge RV batteries that cost a fortune. Uh, they're designed to bleed down, and then you charge them back up. And so are they going to last for the four or five days you're going to be out there? If you take a look, service your batteries, look at your battery cables on your RV especially because most of us don't plug them in like we're supposed to. I do. After finding out the hard way, it's what you do. Uh, keep it plugged in at the house, and then when you get ready to go, everything is charged up. Everything looks good. If you've got any white buildup coming on the battery cables, it's time to service it well. Do it like you're supposed to. And clean those battery terminals off because the charging system that you've got on your RV, even if you've got a generator, depends on how clean those battery cables are and can it recharge back. Uh that brings up another little thing. Okay, what kind of little battery charger do you take with you? Do you have a trickle charger or a small charger? Do you have an AC outlet that you can hook it up to? Uh, do you have a little battery charger that you can put it in a cigarette lighter or the uh, in, what we used to call cigarette lighter? Cigarette lighter port. Uh, will it charge it up a little bit, just enough to get you to fire off so you can get out of there? So there's a lot of little stuff that you need to pay attention to. Do all your lights work on the vehicle? Do all your lights work on your RV? Uh, is your plug-in good on your RV, or have you dropped the plug out on the road and drug it for a while, and now you don't know if it works or not? All of this is to be done before you leave the house, because that's where you're going to have most of your stuff to fix this, or you have a chance to go by and get it fixed before you leave. Because if you rip out that plug on that trailer, there's a couple of things going to happen. One, you're going to lose your lights. If you pull a wire loose or something in there, you're going to lose a turn signal on one of the sides or both sides. You're going to lose your brake lights. So that you want to make sure you got. But more important, if you've got brakes on your trailer, you've got a double axle, triaxle, you're going to need that plug-in coming off the back of that truck to activate your brakes for this 13,000-pound trailer that you're towing. So that's why you check everything before you leave. When you get your brakes and you get ready to leave, you put it in gear, and then you test to see how soon the brakes come on on the trailer just momentarily, like a half a second before the brakes actually engage on the truck. And then you, you'll know you're set pretty close. 
What else, Jimbo? What else am I missing on this? Well, you got it pretty good. A couple things. Uh, when you're hunting. Go ahead. Uh, most people use quads today, so a can of Fix-A-Flat goes a long oh, way yeah. in one of those little puppies. Um, Fix-A-Flat, there you go. although the, t- the tire guys will hate you, but when you're out there rolling in the cactus and you get a, a choya thorn in your in your or a barrel thorn in one of your tires, a little can of fix a flat or a couple right. of them will 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 solve will solve that problem pretty fast. Also in your regular tires as well. Um, yep. Uh, vice grips. Uh, I like vice grips. Oh yeah. Vice, oh yeah. Vice grips. Oh yeah. They, you can. You can pinch things together with vice grips, like you've got little leaks. Like you got a little, like say you got a heater hose leak, and you determine mm-hmm. that you don't need the heater today, so you can just pinch it off. Two, the, two of those, That's two right. of those, boom! Pinch the hose off, and now whatever broken hose is is taken out of the loop. Doesn't work right. so good on the radiator hose, but like Jerry said, use the duct tape. Um, yeah, I know this you, may seem redundant. Or the black tape. <laughs> the black tape, yeah. What's um. This may seem redundant, but um, a sharp knife. Don't carry a dull one like I carry. I always carry a dull knife, and I can't do dink with it. But a sharp knife goes a long ways oh. when you want to cut your hoses or or cut the tree limbs. I, it seems crazy, but I got you know one of those little flip up and you know razor blade knives that I carry in a in with me, and um, that make that goes well, that goes nice. a long ways to cutting the little crap that gets stuck around your axle or. Anything that you know, cutting a tree limb, a little little tree limb, a little stag, cutting cutting zip ties, anything that you need, versus trying to get your hunting knife in there to do it. Um, That's right. Th- those little things go a long ways to m- to make your life tremendously easier. And um, as far as the battery charger, um, <clears throat> we'll high tech it today. Uh, solar charger. I use a little solar charger mm-hmm. on my quad, so. Um, mm-hmm. That way, if it's parked outside, now, granted, it's October. <laughs> it's going to be October, and the sunlight's not so much. But um, it, they do work pretty good to keep the, the level up just a little bit uh, on your on your quad batteries, things like that, or your trailer battery, like Jerry well, said, you know, your trailer batteries. Yeah. Well, they make these charging systems that mount on top of the trailers. Uh, the only problem you have to do with that is make sure that the tree limbs don't remove it for you. But uh, right. I know people that put uh, solar panels on top of their RVs, and they go camping, and they can get stay gone for a month. And that solar charger is just perfect for what they're doing. A lot of your late model trailers, in fact, mine, mine indicates that it has one on it, a solar charger. I haven't found it yet. Don't know where it's located, but I just say we've got a solar charger. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. However, I keep it plugged in anyway. I, I hate dead batteries. Uh, the vehicle doesn't really start very well with a dead battery. Uh, the little jumper box, if you're fortunate enough to have a jumper box with you, and they make them in all sorts of sizes now. There was a guy come out working on my diesel, and he had a little jumper box on it. It was about maybe a 6-inch by 8-inch box, about 1-inch thick. And that thing, I was surprised. Man, it kicked that thing over with no problem whatsoever. And uh, it's, I, you know, they're probably run under $100, I hope. And uh, But that doesn't take up any room. It's instant power. So there's another backup that you can take. I remember when I went hunting, I could rebuild an engine. That's how many tools I took with me. <laughs> 
Was it overkill? Lord, yeah. Did I blow a motor while I was out? Nope. So it was afraid to blow a motor because it knew that I had everything there to rebuild another one, except for the parts, of course. But um, except for the parts, I just the double the double spares. There's nothing wrong with taking a double spare when you go out hunting and you're up in the middle of nowhere. And the double spares. The, uh, sometimes it takes sometimes it takes two a star wrenches. You got to have a metric and an American if you're if you got an older. Older vehicle, but a lot of times it's uh, you gotta be careful. Check before you just randomly buy the star wrench. Make sure it works on everything you want to use it on. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been to. Oh yeah, I've been to the place where the guy says, "Oh, I've got a wrench and it doesn't fit the lug nut because they changed the lugs or something." Just before you before you leave, just walk out there and verify. Hey, oh, it fits on each one correctly. No, it doesn't fit loose. Like oh, it almost works. That doesn't count because you'll stand on that sucker. Trust me, you'll put one foot on there and one arm on there trying to pull that thing, and it's going to slip off. You're going to fall down. Um, you're going to be really, really mad <laughs> because you didn't take 13 <laughs> seconds to try that thing on there. Um, I, we see it a lot that where, where the lugs don't fit because somebody will throw, especially on a truck, somebody will throw aftermarket wheels on, and they'll get aftermarket lug nuts, and the lug nuts aren't mm-hmm. the same size as the original equipment or as, as uh, the wrench that they have. So just make a quick check of that. Um, your your battery, That's a good point. Battery jump Excellent. boxes, yeah, little battery jump boxes. Those are we use those all the time. We use those routinely uh-huh. in our industry. Um, they're they're anywhere from eighty bucks to four hundred, depending on what you want to buy. Uh, the, the eighty dollar one is, is a little one. It'll jump start a car. It'll jump start a, a gas truck, pretty pretty quick. Um, the bigger one. Yep. Um, um, you can get, I hate to say off Amazon, but you can get them, the NOCOs, um, they, they're about, they, if you buy a 3,000 amp one or a 4,000 amp one, it'll kick a diesel over, no problem, because we do it. It'll kick over one of our mm-hmm. diesel trucks. Um, so, which is pretty wow. impressive. Um, I like them because you, what we find is that, like, say the battery gets so dead that it won't work. You can disconnect your battery and put this on and it'll be your battery for, to, to get you fired up. Which is mm-hmm. which is really really helpful. Whereas uh, the older ones, I've had the old lead acid jumper boxes, and they work, but they they're prone to the problems of lead acid batteries. They swell, and they got they got a small little battery, not even the size of a of a lawnmower battery. So you know they're good at jumping partially dead vehicles, but the lithium ones work pretty well. Now when they go dead, they go dead really fast, and then you have to charge them up again. So it, just in case. Plug it in while you're driving because it's got a little USB port to plug it in. You can plug it into your not cigarette lighter anymore, Jerry. I still call it a cigarette lighter, but the power port. <laughs> plug it in, let it right. charge up. Boom, you'll be golden mm-hmm. if you need to jump. Especially a quad, it'll it'll kick over quads all day long. You can start. You can crank the quad from two three minutes on with those one of those. Um, other than wow. that. Um, don't so we've covered the quads, and of course the quads have got the same issues with tires and stuff. So you have to make sure you got either. I love the fix a flat. You know, take a couple of cans of fix a flat. It it is for emergency use only, <laughs> but it does work. Hopefully, unless you destroy the sidewall on a tire or blow a tire apart. Unless you destroy the sidewall, yes, sir. The, that's where your good stuff comes in. All right. 
I noticed something that uh, now anybody have any questions seven one nine fourteen ninety or any suggestions on what else to add when you go hunting. That's based on your years of experience. You know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that I carry that if I sat here and said, okay, this is what I carried in mind. If I do that and list itemize everything out on it, we don't have enough time in this program to do that. But if you know uh, something simple, how about a tow rope? Do you carry a tow strap with you? Do you carry a tow strap with you in case you get stuck so that somebody else can hook to you and pull you out? You may not be as fortunate as I was and have a Bronco down there with a front end worn 8,000 on it where he come in and parked about 50 foot from where I was sitting and hooked to the front of mine because I was sitting there just spinning on top of the ground. By the way, it was with a four-wheel drive that I was driving to. And, um, but he was able to pull me out. So do you have a tow strap? Some way that somebody can hook to you and get you out of a mud hole or some of these soft uh, spots that they've got up in the White Mountains or down around Patagonia and that area back in there. So make sure you have a tow strap. They're inexpensive. You can get that big yellow one, a 20-footer. And I carry 40-foot with me because nothing I, – I don't wind up in any situation that normal people wind up in. <laughs> Even pre-planning, I don't. So make sure that you've got a good toe strap with you. All right. Um, chains, if you're going to run in snow, they make a lot of different things. They make plastic chains. They make little uh, uh, slips that you lay down under the tires to get you out. But if you're going to be running in that, I highly recommend as a four-wheel drive. If you need chains to get through snow, you're in too deep. <laughs> So uh, just just plan for what you're going to be running in. You got all all sorts of weather forecasts will tell you what the weather is in the area you're going to be hunting. So pay attention to it. They may be correct, and you it may not snow or it may snow. So be ready. Make sure your windshield wiper blades are clean too. Okay. That's all right. What else? Uh, what else? Uh, on this uh, c- cell phone. Uh, not all cell phones oh, yeah. work out where you're going to be. Take a cell phone with you. You know what else? Um, tell somebody where you're going. So before you leave, it, you if you're going to go hunt, you know the area you're going to hunt in. Everybody already knows. That they've already been drawn, especially in Arizona. You know exactly the area you're going to be hunting in. You probably already know the area you're going to be camping in. Go to the map. Go to Google Maps. Give, pull, pull up the longitude and latitude and say, I'm going to be here. As if somebody doesn't know if something happens to you, for example, a flash flood, because it's been raining in this state now for, for three months that we've never seen in 100 years, um, at least somebody can say, this is the GPS coordinates they gave me. And like Jerry knows, mm-hmm. if you give him those, he can walk right to you. Any search and rescue can walk right to you if they know the coordinates. It's 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 a real simple thing. That's exactly thing. what they need. Yeah. yeah, it's a real simple thing. It's it's gonna be it's it's a it's a positive north number, so it's gonna be a thirty one or a thirty two. And if you give them, Google gives you the decimal point. Now, some people use minutes, hours, minutes, and seconds. Um, but if you give them the decimal version, it pops in Google every single time. Um, there are other maps that that topo maps that will convert for you. Um, 
So it's, it'll be like 31.53726. And then you're going to get the, the, the longitude number, which is going to be a negative number. It's going to be 111 or 112, depending on where you're at. And then it'll be another five digit, five digits behind it. You have that and you just it, get it close. Say, this is where we're going to be. If you give that to somebody as a starting point, it will take them literally the drive time to drive to you and go, okay, this is where they said they were going to be. They run across somebody else out there. Hey, we're looking for John. Is John out here? Oh, yeah, John's over there. If, if they haven't heard from you, that is – otherwise, it's there. It's a search and destroy from – well, I think he went to Area 35. Right, right. That's uh, another thing – yeah, another thing on that, when you write those coordinates down, keep a copy in your pocket so that keep a copy. you will That's know when you have to call in on a 911, this is where I'm at, and you can read it off to it. And, of course, I'll tell you a little secret about 911. If you call 911 from a cell phone and you're out in the middle of wherever, if you're fortunate enough to have a cell phone, uh, cell phone service, they will get your coordinates off of 911. But if you have to call in on a landline, that's a different story. If somebody calls in for you, uh, they need, uh, let's say uh, Jim's out. Jim gets lost. He's, he's down, and he's about 10 miles from where I'm at, and he calls me on the phone or texts me. That's another thing. If you don't have cell phone conversation-type cell phone, try a text message. A lot of time a text message will get to you when a cell phone will not. Okay, try that. That's a, and that's a great idea, what, Jerry. That's great. And the other, the other thing that you want to do is make sure uh, that you include on your body. Uh, how about the medications? Make sure you take extra medications in case you can't get back when you're supposed to get back. Also, write down the medications that you're taking. This is for people just traveling across country or going on vacation, too. If you're taking a bunch of meds for heart problems or stuff like this, one, you want to take your medications with you. Two, you need to have something in your billfold or something that search and rescuers can actually find that tells what medications you're on, a current list, not something that happened 10 years ago, but a current list of medications that you're on. Because if they find you and you're in distress or you're, you're not conscious or anything like that, this information will say, okay, well, we can't give him this because he's allergic to it. Or this is what you're taking if you're a diabetic. Do you take your diabetic medicine with you? If you have to take a needle shot for diabetes, do you have that in your kit on your body while you're out there? If you're out hunting, you take that kit with you. And if you can't figure out how to take it with you, you need to get a belly pack or something like that and make it a special emergency, medical emergency kit and put it on you. Have I seen those out there? You bet your hand in. I've even seen it out on the trail where people are walking. They may not be able to give themselves a shot. You, as a uh, as an individual, are protected by the Good Samaritan law and if he, if you recognize or if you're smart enough to recognize that there's a diabetic problem, the only thing you're going to be able to do out in the field is give them sugar, okay? Sugar, normally where they get in really trouble is low sugar. So when you get, if you give them sugar, and even if they, if you think they're, then it 
they can always adjust that at the hospital or a medic can. They can give you a shot to counteract that stuff if it's too high. But give them sugar. That is the field treatment for diabetics, okay? Especially if you're not, if you're not close to a, uh, medical services. Uh, so have a list of your meds. Take it with you. Keep a card on you so that somebody, in the event you do get in trouble, that the rescuers can find out, okay, this is, this is what he can take. Uh, this is what he's on. They will also know what the, we have medical advisors all over the place. They will know if it'll, it'll help with the diagnosis of what's going on with you. If we have a list of your medications, did you take double the amount that morning? Or if you're diabetic, did you eat breakfast before you left? When's the last time you ate anything? And so it's just a, it's a world of history out there. But the medical, and you're not going to be thinking clear anyway, so you need to write this down, put it on a little card, fold it up and put it in your billfold, and keep the billfold on you so that when you can, the medics get there or whoever, the deputies get there, they can pull your billfold, find that medical card. They're going to be looking for it. Trust me. They're going to be looking for a medical card. If you have diabetes, do you have a necklace or a bracelet? or a tattoo on your body or something that says, yes, I am a diabetic, because we run across a lot of that stuff out there, too. It's nice to see it posted so that it helps us treat you faster in order to get you out of the field. So, you know, these are just some of the little things that you can do, whether you're out hunting or you're running around in Tucson, Arizona, or you're going on vacation and you get in a car wreck or anything like that, any emergency. So make sure this a charged cell phone, meds, and a card that tells what meds you're actually taking. Because if they, they're looking for your stuff, you normally keep your meds in one place. And it says, I take this, 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 this. This is what's on the med chart. We have enough technology, uh, we have enough contact out there. We can always go radio out of there, too. And we can get a hold of a medical in Tucson, Arizona, or wherever we're at, and we can find out, okay, what what's a recommended, when is this medication supposed to be taken? Because he's got it out of the box. It's not on the bottle. It's in his little carry case. And what when is this supposed to be taken? Then... If we've got a person that's conscious, we can ask them, have you taken your meds this morning? Because we understand, we know, search and rescue know, that we get kind of busy when we're out there. You do anyway. And you may forget to take your medication, and it's something that you're not allowed to miss. Okay? That makes a big deal as far as getting you out of there. So just be safe. Be safe. Okay? Anything else you want to add to that one, Jim? Allergies. Know your allergies. Oh yeah. Today, oh, today is is we are in high bloom season here. We, there's more allergies going on in Tucson, Arizona than there have been in 30 years. So if you're out, you know, out there walking around or hiking, it doesn't matter. Hiking, hunting, or mm-hmm. fishing, you know, and because everything is in full force bloom now. Um, 
make sure you know what if you've got a real bad allergy to something. For you know, it could be bees because bees are, are are roaming today, starting to get down a little bit. But um, any plants? I know that I I normally don't have allergies, but this last week, I tell you what, I have been dying, and I'm like, man, it's just kicking me because. The allergies are just, you know, the the pollen is just in full force everywhere. Um, and if you're out there in the middle of the desert, it's even more so. There's there's trees everywhere. If you know what you're up against, at least you got something you can take some allergy medication with you so that you aren't suffering so bad or having some type of allergic reaction. Uh, which is kind of which goes back to Jerry. Tell people what take your meds. Uh, tell people what you what you're doing. Um, you just brought up something on bees. A lot of people are uh, very allergic to bee stings. It's very real out in the middle of the woods that you can actually get a bee sting. You can, we've run across hives of killer bees up on Mount Lemon. Uh, you know, it closes a trail. That's how dangerous those things are, especially if you're allergic to them. If you know you're allergic to a bee sting, do you have an EpiPen with you? If you don't, I okay. highly recommend you get one because an EpiPen can save your life because anaphylactic shock is something that will take your butt out. So you need to have your EpiPen with you. Don't make excuses. Oh, I forgot it. No, you're not allowed to forget that one. <laughs> You you can forget to take a diabetes thing, and we can give you some sugar. You don't you forget to take an EpiPen. There's only a short period of time to where we can actually treat you, or your system's going to close you down. That stuff is dangerous. I will give you a for real. There was a lady that was on our quadrille team when we used to run uh, professional quadrille with the PRCA, and her mom actually pay, passed away from a gnat bite, a gnat, and they had given her a shot, but it didn't, it didn't do it. If you take an epi shot, and in 10 minutes, if you don't have a, a response, or five minutes, anywhere between five and 10 minutes, give them the second epi shot. So do you carry one shot with you? No, carry two. Because if you can get that second shot in them, then that's going to be as good as you can get with what you're doing out in the field. But uh, then you look at it again. We're not we're not doctors, so we can't give a person an epi shot. Okay, on search and rescue, um, some of the paramedics can, but a regular EMT cannot. So if you get an epi shot, you know you've got a person going into anaphylactic shock, and that person is not able to give them the shot. Protection under the law will allow you to do what a normal person in this situation would do. If I'm allergic to bee stings and I have an epi shot and you show up, you give me that darn shot. I don't care what you, how you do it, you give me that shot, okay? Because if you cannot make a decision on your own behalf and I have diagnosed you with anaphylactic shock, uh, it's time for you to get that in your body. And so, you know, I'd rather be judged by 12 than have somebody carried by six. So we'll just, we'll just go with that. So it's very critical that you have this on your medical card that you are allergic to bee stings, 
penicillin, whatever you're allergic to, just take a, take a, they used to call them recipe cards, you know. My wife had them, these little three by five cards. You can get them, you can fold them up, they'll go in your billfold, but write everything, and you can write on both sides of them too. So, and if you want to put it in a little plastic bag and carry it in your pocket because you're out and you're out in the elements, do that. But keep that sucker with you, and you should be good to go. Have you got anything else you can think of, Jim? Because these uh, days, you know, most people we don't we don't see the bees down here that much, and you know the killer bees. Everything has to be classified as a killer bee now. They will run you for a quarter of a mile. So, and they will run you with a audience. They will carry their own assassination squad with them. So this is not yes, something. If you've got children, if you've got children, oh. you're going to have you pay attention. <laughs> and another no, thing, while you're out there hunting, go ahead, Jim. I was going to say the the bee, the bee problem is a real problem. If if you don't think it is, I mean, I get if I get stung by a bee, I break out in hives, um, and it's and it's and I used to never it used to never happen to me. It was just the craziest thing. I when I was younger, I I never had. I would get stung by a bee, and I wouldn't think twice about it. Now, if I get stung by a bee, I break out in hives. So as you may not know that you have a, an allergic issue to a bee, but you might. So you kind of need to be prepared before you go out, because um, the bee, like you said, Jerry, you can roll across, you can be walking along and walk up on a beehive. And bees are bees are very yeah. interesting creatures. They move in swarms, so you can watch them actually move. A whole swarm will move and form a hive on a tree or a stump or even on a car, and they'll be there for like three or four hours, and then they'll move again as they as they trans as they as they move through their where their final destination is. I've watched them, you know, hive right. move over over time. And it's very interesting. So if you roll across one of those transport processes with bees, yeah, they're you're gonna get you're gonna get in trouble because they're in aggressive mode then. They're moving their they're moving the colony from one point to another. They're have a, I know this sounds crazy, but they have a mission. Their job is to move the queen along and if you try to interrupt that, they're gonna attack you. Yeah, I don't oh. care if they're they're yeah. killer bees or not. They're gonna you're gonna get have a huge serious problem. And and don't go up there and poke the beehive. <laughs> you see one hanging on a tree? Leave it alone. <laughs> don't mess with them. Just the best thing to do is avoid them. It, yeah. If you see a bee and you're out on trail, start looking for where this bee comes from. And if that bee, he comes up, he flies into you and hits you on the arm and doesn't sting you, that does not mean jack crap. That means that he's lift the pheromones or theromones or whatever they're called on your body. That's like a roadmap for his buddies. So if you have something hit you like a get out of there, just get out of there. So that way you'll uh, be just a, be, be a little bit safer. The other thing is a lot of guys take their kids with them when they're hunting or out just hiking, and they take children with them. Children doesn't have the system that handles heat very well. They'll heat about four times as fast as a adult. And I don't mean a senior citizen. I mean a, just a regular adult. And when you make sure that the kid drinks plenty of water while they're out there hiking with you and you say, oh, it's really cold up here. We don't really need to water. That's a misnomer. Your body processes water, okay? 
So keep some water or an energy drink is actually better. And if you're going to take straight uh, Gatorade, uh, good luck. You need to be burning 3,600 calories a day to drink straight Gatorade when you're really when you chug lug a straight Gatorade because it will make you sicker than a dog. You can use 25% Gatorade. You can use 50% Gatorade, and you'll be okay. But if you try to chug lug a full thing of Gatorade, a pint, a quart, whatever you drink. You try to chug like that, you're going to be sick. It's going down, and it's not going to stay down. So you have to replace the electrolytes in your body. In the event you get out and all you have is water, go by, pick up these little packets of salt, because you can put a teaspoon, a teaspoon, not a tablespoon, a teaspoon of salt in a quart of water. And it'll replace the electrolytes. You don't need all of the fancy stuff. And most of the guys that ride bikes and do a lot of hiking already know this. So just keep in mind, your kids, even though they appear bulletproof like you were when you were that age, they're not. Okay? Watch for overheat. Overheat, kid turn real red. And, <laughs> and then you ask them, here, drink some water. I'm not thirsty. No, because the body... They they don't think they are, and it affects the brain, okay? All right. Now, we've covered all of that upside down and one side out. Do you have anything else before we move on, Jim? Oh, okay. Let's take the caller. Who is it? Uh, we got George on line one. Okay. George, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? We're having fun. How about you? Doing all right. Uh, I'm enjoying this morning's conversation, and I thought I'd just chime in with uh, something else that I take along with me when I'm in the backcountry. I ride uh, dirt bikes off-road, and uh, we get uh, very far away from urban centers, and there's no cell coverage. I've been taking along with me a, a device called the Garmin InReach Mini. And with this device, I can connect to satellites, and I can communicate with the folks at home through a text without having cell coverage. It also does uh, has capability of providing weather uh, forecasts for the, the area that I'm in. It can track where I'm at, and I can have the person at home follow my tracks while I'm out riding. They know exactly where I am. They can see actually see a map of where I'm at. It's a, a somewhat of a topographical map, so they can they oh. they know where I'm at all the time. I can also send pre-set uh, messages that if something would happen, to let them know that I've been delayed because I've got a flat tire, um, ran out of gas, whatever it might be. And above and beyond all of that, if I pay extra for some uh, insurance type subscriptions, I can have search and rescue and heli back, helicopter back me out of an, a real bad situation. So it does all those things. It fits in the palm of my hand. I put it in my riding vest so it's easy to get to should I fall down and get in trouble. There's other products out there. There's something called a spot device that does similar, but not all the same features as the Garmin InReach Mini, but I highly recommend it. And it's Garmin? Garmin InReach Mini. 
Yeah, you know, I, I I totally forgot about that. You're right. Those are really really neat little devices. That um, they're a little dinky device, and it, it's 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 uh, the some of the gun guys carry those when they're walking around. The hunt guys have them. Sure. Because you're right. They sure. you, you can just hit the thing. It tells you exactly where you're at. And you're right. It you you just they're like 350 bucks, I think, if I remember right. Right for um, the device. For the device, yeah, and, and but you can. How, um, how much is your life worth? <laughs> That's what I thought. I said three hundred fifty dollars might sound yeah. like a lot, <clears throat> but it adds right. a level of of comfort to the folks back home. They they know you're okay. They can check on you anytime, and um, it, it, I think it's a wonderful wonderful thing to have. Well, I love three hundred fifty. Excellent call, George. Yeah, thank you. So now much. I wanted to but, sure. Can I add? Can I add something else? You betcha. Okay, um, as a member of this motorcycle club, it's, it's called the Trail Riders of Southern Arizona. And uh, in the month of August, we invited Colleen Leone and Mike Nissimi. Buddy of mine. Right, from the, from the Mounted Search and Rescue. And even though they're on horseback and we're on uh, motorized horses, uh, the issues are the same. And they brought in a wealth of information to our meeting to talk about how to prepare to go out into the desert. Uh, Jerry, you've talked so many times about hydration. They covered that inside and out and what to do before you go out and what, what do you do when something bad happens, how to react to that situation, how to deal with it. Uh, they were a wealth of information, and it was probably one of the best best guest speakers we've ever had. Well, I'm proud to hear that because Colleen is a buddy of mine, so is Mike, and I am also part of that Mounted Search and Rescue. Right. So I, I hope I never have to meet you on the trail, right? <laughs> well, if you do and you call us, I'll be the best looking thing you've ever seen. <laughs> All right. You, you're right about that. You're right about that. So, but, yeah. yeah, I'm very proud, very proud of the Mounted Search and Rescue. Yeah. Yes, we do uh, go out to uh, organizations. And Colleen has been doing this forever. And Mike Massini is the president. Uh, Colleen is in charge of search and rescue. She deploys us and stuff like this. We have our own system. We do have a system that when we can go, I can go horseback riding and just push a button, and uh, search and rescue system that we have will track me and know exactly where I'm at. I can stump right. my toe and call them, and they'll say, okay, we've got the coordinates on you. So right. that little that little Garmin Mini, that thing, absolutely. I've seen them out on trail where people had them. I didn't pay it much close attention to them because mainly I already had all that stuff on my radios. And, sure. Um, sure. But yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent right. information, George. Excellent. Right. And and if you want to spend more money, they have upgraded versions that you can even get to the satellite phone level where you'd have all the Wow. tracking information, but then if you wanted to have a satellite phone, you could have that integrated into the unit as well. So it's a, a lot of good a lot of good stuff out there. Really uh really well, if you're gonna play who, you're gonna play out that. there. What what do they say about playing? The difference in men and boys is the price of the toys. Exactly. Uh, Herman thing, yeah. That's not really in my opinion, it's not really a toy. That's a that's a potential lifesaver. And, exactly. You know, we we don't buy cheap tires and put them on trucks and tow trailers with them because the tires won't hold up. 
And mm-hmm. that's I put that right in there with that. You know, why do something stupid when you can do it right? So exactly. But that's just exactly. me. All right. George, thank you so very, very much, buddy. And you're welcome. You enjoy riding your bikes out there, and and Will take do. care. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. All right. Bye now. Seven one. Bye bye. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. It is an open line Saturday. You can call and talk to us about anything. We're just throwing some stuff out there that happens to go along with the season and and what happens. Um, you know, let's, let's hiking everything we have told you about this. You know, when it comes to cell phones, hot batteries, uh, you can take, you can buy a little charger. I have a little, I have two, in fact, two little bitty chargers. It, it's about as big as what an old pack of cigarettes used to be. And you can charge your cell phone when you're out on trail. When you're out on trail, make sure that you have a cell phone. And don't forget, just because you don't have cell phone talk ability does not mean that you can't reach them with a text text message. Okay, so try that if you can't get through on a, a regular talk. And I've seen that. I've done it from the backside of Mount Lemon into Tucson. And it does work. In fact, the reason I did it was to test it to make sure it did work. And it did work. And even though it said no no service, I used a text message, and it did go through. So that's one little thing you may try in the event you have the misfortune of running up across something like this. Um, okay, it's it's how much time we've got left, Andrew, at the top of the hour. i got a couple more things I want to get to, but it's going to be a little bit long-winded. I think you got like four or five minutes. Oh, okay, that's plenty of time. Jim can talk for four or five minutes. Um, <laughs> I could try. All right. Can you think of uh, Can you think of anything else we need to add on if you're going hunting and most of the hiking and stuff we covered, that's mostly medical stuff. Um, you know, uh, like George was saying, I'm sure that Colleen and Mike actually told them that that first phone call you make when you're out and you get hurt hiking goes to 911. If you're going to need a ride out or you, you're out of water, you, you're feeling that you're going downhill, you call 911. 911 will get a coordinate on you on that off your cell phone. If you have a hot one with a battery, and then we can come and get you. That comes into a rescue. If you don't, and you all you could do is somebody else calls in because your cell phone battery is dead, They'll get the coordinates off that person that actually called in. That could be a mile and a half to two miles from wherever you're at. And and what we try to do is we try to get a hold of the person who originally reported it and find out where they last seen you. Well, that goes from a uh, from a rescue to search and rescue. We got to find you before we can rescue and get you out of harm's way. So. A lot of little stuff. The people have been educated actually pretty well over the few years. That uh, One, that Colleen's been out running around at the different organizations and putting this information out. But I got a phone call one time, and I was on a golf course. They called me. They had a problem up on top of the mountain because they know that I was in search and rescue. What I had to do is rechannel it. I said, I want you to hang up from me. Take your same cell phone. Are you on location? Yep. 
I want you to take the cell phone and call 911. They will get the coordinates on you, and they will activate the rescue, search and rescue. Search and rescue is responsible. For she- search and rescue. Who has a responsibility in the state for search and rescue? The sheriff's department. The sheriff's department in each county in the state of Arizona is responsible search and rescue activities. They report to the state on the search and rescue activities. But the sheriff's department is who you want to call. You call 911, and they will know who to call when you say, okay, i got an emergency here, and that 911 operator will dial you in to uh, the sheriff's department, and they'll get the help on the way. So, and don't turn off your cell phone once you call in until after you talk to the deputies, and then they will tell you, stay on that cell phone as long as you have batteries so we can get to you, and you can just take it from there. All right, we're out of of time for the first hour. We're coming back, so stay with us. Uh, We're on ESPNTucson.com, a Simmons Car Care Show. I'm Jerry Simmons, along with me, riding Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. We'll be right back after these messages. 